thing that I think about when I think about you and my time at secondary school is you're creating that space in your classroom in the English department and in lunch times you'd be open and people could just come and chill inside. Did you know when you were doing that that you were providing this safe space, this enclave for people like myself and Jacob and Ezra to come? Yeah, definitely. I think I did it because it was needed. Um, it's difficult because I know as a kid, I had this when I was a child as well, but also for you guys, it's difficult because you have to prove yourselves all the time. And actually, if you're not around it, you don't have to do that. So even when I was at all of the schools I've been at, bar this one maybe, because obviously I'm, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a classroom teacher, I'm not, I'm higher up now and I've got things, I'm not, yeah, and I have classroom even. Um, but um, you just know that the kids that stay need to stay. If they have something else to do, they'll go, wouldn't they? Secondly, I love kids, you know, I just love being around kids. They're just funny, they're inquisitive, they're cu curious, they're, they've always got something new to teach you as well. They, and, you know, my sense of humour as well kind of, you know, um, um, leans towards that, towards that way anyway. I remember, I know I share, I, I see myself in a lot of my students as well. I know why, I mean, I was a student from school, you know, I was, you know, I was at North Cadet School as well and I had a lot of, you know, things going on. And I know I didn't, I never had anybody that I could really go to. I think it was in my A-level years that I had a teacher called um, Dr. Yasmin Ahmed. She was amazing and she was amazing. And yeah, she was great with me, but that was, I was in sixth form at the time. But um, as a youngster, I didn't. And it was just, um, I learned a lot of things about kids anyway from their, my relationship with them. So I knew they needed me to be there anyway. So there were loads of kids in the younger years and you, you lots of years had things going on that, I remember a student comes to tell me something once and I was, um, they were in my form and they were never in school and I was, you know, the attendance was really poor and I was kind of having a go at them and all the rest of it and then um, I remember saying, like, talking about the attendance and it, the, the reason for the poor attendance came out and I was like, and I remember being in that meeting, that's the first time, like, you know, I was a kid that told me something and I was so moved, like, cried and I had to get up. You know, remember my, my classroom was just office, office. I went to the office, I went to the office, I just had to, like, quickly, like, like my tears and like come back and then so you learn things obviously you know kids spoke to me a lot so and I, I used to like those disclosures and stuff used to come to me and then um and you know what I'm like well if I start something I'm gonna finish it so I'm, I'm a bit so yeah it was it was nice it was, it was good for me as well because it, it, it was very, that was what was rewarding about the job you know you teach them but the relationships you build and I built that from in that space and, so I want to ask a question about the beginning of your journey as a teacher. Uh -huh. So, do you remember the first classroom you ever walked into as a teacher? And I remember in the previous conversation, you described teaching as quite an egotistical job because, like, suddenly, kind of students are forced to kind of respect your authority when you come into the room. Um, so what was, what was that experience like, the first classroom you walked into as a teacher? So what's interesting was that I didn't, because I came, I was at, um, Ash, um, was, what was it before, ADT? And then, yeah, yeah and as a, um, I started as an, S, an LSA support system and did, and then I remember I had a class I was supporting, and as a the boy, the first boy I ever supported was Tashan, and you won't mind me calling that his name. And um, I, I did, I tell you so, but when I went, when I went, for, and I told that story before about Tashan. So when I went for my interview for that job, um, he was in um, isolation, but uh, what do you know what's called? ICAS, that, that's ICAS, he was in isolation. You said it with a grin on your face? Yeah, he was in He never went though, because he's always like, just like, I'm not going, I'm not going. Like, literally, just, uh, not going, can you come partake, please? But yeah, anyway, so um, um, 
Uh, yeah, and he was in there because he'd had an altercation with a teacher, you know, whatever, and blah, blah, blah. And that was on my interview day that I've been going around, whatever. It was quite like, you know, he was one of these kids in school, blah, 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 and, and, and Deshaun, you don't know Deshaun, quite cheeky, you know, whatever. So, and on my first day, he said, oh, you're supporting, and who you supporting? Deshaun was like, oh, gosh, like, that was my first, you know, and, um, and I still talk to Deshaun now, I spoke to him, like, you know, he's amazing, he's got, like, a wife and kids, and he's got a house, and, you know, whatever, he's, he's amazing. And I remember, um, the first I remember I had to support him and he'd be kicked out of the class. Then he had to write a poem and the poem was my about his, his English teacher. My teacher's breath smells like she's my language shit. I don't know why I should have to smell it. <laughs> and, then I, and I had to go give this this poem to the teacher. It's like, what? It was my first day. But then um, that was so then I ended up supporting him a lot more and then his classes. So then behaviour management was an issue. So I was I used to do a lot of behaviour management and then it's like, well, I wanted to be a teacher, that's why I got into it, you know, they say, and eventually I loved working with the kids on that level, so I didn't really pursue it. And um, so I then, um, uh, what did I do? Yeah, so they said to me, oh, can you take the group, because Tishan's group just was unmanageable. Can you take that group and teach them? It was mice and men, it was teachers, it was actually really good. So then they gave me a job as an unqualified teacher with the success of that group. And I was also supporting other students as well with their courses. So Erin, Erin was like year 11, uh, she was year 10 maybe when I started. I used to support her as well, Evan Brilli, she's an amazing girl. And um, I used to help them with their coursework and stuff and they were doing really well. And the English team was like, you know, you know, can she do some a bit more with, with these kids? And so then I, they gave me a job as an unqualified teacher. And then when I was gonna go away to go and do my PGC, then Mr. Barker said to me, we need you to stay. What can we do for you to stay? And I said, I wanna be a teacher. So I was the first GTP they had there to do the teacher program at the school. So my I already established myself as, as Mr. Freie, so I didn't have that problem. So I never had that issue with walking. And actually, when I was teaching this lot, I was actually training. They didn't know it. You know, it was Sandy didn't know. Like, who's was like, who's like, oh, do you, are you even qualified? Like, oh my gosh, honestly. <laughs> yes, you were. You were. Oh my gosh. But that year, that first year, I think it was Jacob's year ten year. Yeah, you know, year ten English. That was my English class. Oh my gosh. I was actually training that year and they didn't know and they actually did, they all exceeded like what we thought they'd do for their coursework and all the rest of it. And so it was, it was um, yeah, I never had that problem because I, I was already, this is a free age, so anybody knew me. So I didn't have, you know, those kind of nightmare yeah. tales. But it was when I left Ashford and I went to Kingsdale, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> I remember being in that classroom and just standing there and just like, what was going on around me? And I was like, there must be a camera or something, like, what's going on? Like, and also, this is after being at Ashcroft where no one really messes with you. And also, not, not even like, oh, because you're really strict, but because you've got a good relationship with the kids, you know, I tell them. And you just could not. These kids were just like, whoa. And eventually, though, they were like, like family. Those kids were just amazing. One and over, and it was just like, honestly, they're just in from there. But so I don't have that kind of my first lesson story because I kind of inched my way in. But yeah, yeah, so. So, Dean, do you remember the first lesson that he taught you all? Or maybe not even the first lesson. Do you remember the first moment when you realised that D was different, that D was special? When you left, <laughs> this guy did not rape me. It's like, <laughs> 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 That's not true. <laughs> um, I would say one thing that is special about D is that when you're in that secondary school environment, you're often like wrestling or finding out or discovering who you are. And I would say, as a vibe, it was clear that this is a teacher that, in whose presence you feel seen. So, two 
moments come to mind. One was we were in media and you'd asked me to go and get, I think it was headphones or something, mm -hmm. for the classroom. Mm -hmm. And I'd gone, and for me, like, even just that question, like, that bestowing of responsibility, I was like, you know, <laughs> I might be doing something right. So even that was a small thing. And then I'd gone, and I went to the media department. Mm -hmm. So there's where all the Macs were. And I was looking for this, whatever headphone I'd been asked to find. But I couldn't find it. So I was like, rather than going all the way back to class, I'm just going to pick up whatever the next best thing is. And I remember I came back to class, and I'm thinking, like, I wonder what the response is going to be in it, because I don't have what I've been asked to go get. And I remember Dee very vividly saying, taking the headphones and just looking at me and going, well done, use your initiative. I was like, what does that mean? And I'm sure at the time for Dee, that was just like an offhand comment in it, but I think it's a testament to like, when you're in secondary school and you're building this idea of yourself, when you feel seen and whatever a person says about you, especially if it's positive or even if it's negative, you kind of grab onto it with both hands. And so after that, I'm like, yeah, I'm I think sense of humor has actually been my biggest thingy though, because I think it's funny because even at Peckham, there was there were loads of times where kids would get kicked out and sent to my class for something. And then when they tell me what they got kicked out for, it was such a mission not to crack up and laugh because actually you just know the meme they're talking about or what they're referring to and the rest of it. And actually that's just like, and that's also the cultural thing, not in terms of like being black or anything, but just I've got kids as well. I'm still in touch with a lot of my, the young people. I find a lot of the things that my kids find funny, very funny. So those things like are funny to me. And I know it's not offensive. So like joking with them actually, like, hold on, she gets that. Okay, then you like, eventually it's like, okay, like, yeah. Yeah, so the, the sense of humour thing really does work. It does because because it's but it works for me as well because it makes my lessons I really enjoy. Like I, and I love kids with really good sense of humour. I really do like really enjoy that sense of humour. It's sad he's got me sad. I think I would probably Ezra's got the best sense of humour. Ezra's sense of humour is wicked. And look, who's away, mate? Yeah. <laughs> that's the guy. That's him. Yeah, but, but yeah, like. So Jacob's looking for laughing at people, and then like, but yeah, but, 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 but yeah, but um, yeah, they're, they're really funny. Yeah, look at the team. Alright, guys, that's it. Everyone, <laughs> on we go. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like now when you walk into a classroom, you can get an idea of like who's who and what's what, or do you feel like there's still that sense of discovery? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. Last year, when I started at the school I'm at now, I started last year as deputy principal when I got in there. And I think COVID has changed a lot and the rest of it. And it was like, they weren't responding to what you're responding to. So it's like, do you not understand? Like, I really need you to get this. You don't understand. The world is hard out there. That's for me. I think for me, it's always been that, especially having been a support staff, you know, you guys may realise in schools, you have these people who are really good with kids and they really call the kids and they get on the kids and they but nothing really comes out of it. And that used to really annoy me. Like, you know, oh, they're really good with me. Okay, yeah, but if you're working with them effectively, they'll be good with everybody else or they'll get something out of school, do you see? And I also realized because I was quote unquote, you know, quite close to the kids, so it seems a bit of a cool teacher. I had to prove that I was also, I could get grades, I could get these kids through, I could teach and the rest of it. And I did that and I proved that. And I think um, you use your relationship with students to get them somewhere. I've always said, I don't want to work, I'm not working with you, I'm, we're not working towards failure, we need to get something out of this. And so for me, last year, I thought I read the kids, because they were these, you know, these kids, and Croydon kids are quite, you know, just, 
Find is a different place now, do you see? And you're like, yeah, this is, and when I walked into that school, I said, this is my school. It's like the kind of kids I want to work with. And I, I work with, I work with any kind of kids, don't get me wrong, but I just thought, yeah, this is, this is a real sense of mission and purpose at this school. And they just would not respond. And like, they just weren't, they didn't want it. And I, I totally misjudged it. I actually got really upset about it. We took it really personally as well. Took it so, so personally. And um, I remember one time I was in a, a classroom and um, my daughter just had her um, transplant. But you couldn't go to hospital anyway. So I came into school because I thought they're going to have a couple of lessons, they've got exams soon, blah, blah, blah. And I came in, one of my, my colleagues, amazing, Sharika, she came in and she's amazing. She said, I've got, I work with some really amazing people who really support me. And she came into the class to support me. And the kids were really, just really misbehaving. She's like, do you not understand? This is here. And you know, I was like, you don't get it. I keep on, I'm supposed to them on a level, done whatever. And one of them was really rude and kind of, and I got really teary because obviously it was an emotional day as well. And um, he was just like, and he knew, because they, they all knew about the transport, because also I used to have my phone on and say, I can't, I can't, I can't charge my phone. If something comes, I've got to call. So they were like, whenever my phone's ringing, shh, my them, like, this is it them. No, it's not them. Oh, they were really cool like that. So when they found out, a lot of them were like, oh my gosh, you know, it's great, great. And then this one kid just like, oh, look at you, just mad emotional teacher, man, look at you, man, da, 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 da. I'm not staying here to, and what types of people, why would you be so cruel? I've never experienced kids being that cruel. And it, it really, really affected me, because I thought, I can't get these kids. But then it's so funny because when they when they left, one time I was doing duty at the bus stop and that same kid came up to me and from behind came hugging for my miss that you yeah, and I've always said to people like you know at the trainees don't take anything kids do personally because kids are quite can be quite difficult. They can be really cool, don't get me wrong. But also they forget about it after a while. And actually for him it was just a reaction at the time. It wasn't really about me, it was a reaction to me telling him off and what and the rest of it. And actually I, I have I've got a lot of time for this kid as well. And, um, but last year was the first time I walked into a classroom, I worked with a group of kids and thought, I can't get, I can't, I'm, I haven't quite got it. And then by the end of it though, we've got it. What I did was I had to kind of, I got a few of them, like about a cool 10 of them. And we kind of just knuckled down and they all passed. They were the, they were the ones that passed. There was a button to say, it was, you know, I think low expectations, or, you know, and all, all the rest of it. They didn't think they were going to pass English, they weren't bothered, you know, that kind of thing. And then actually, the ones that did stay all passed, which was like an, an amazing testament. And it was like, yeah, that was good. So, yeah. So, Lee, in our, in our previous conversation, you mentioned that when you were, I don't know how old you were, but you went to Ghana for a mm -hmm. period of time mm -hmm. to, as a student. So, I wanted to, we didn't really talk about that in the previous conversation. So, I wanted that. Tell me, tell me more about your time in Ghana and like how was the D that went there different from the D that left there? And yeah. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So, I think. What you find here, and what I try, and I will shy away from, and I always advise people to go away from, and also say to students, especially, I'm going to annoy you, you're going to hate me sometimes, but know all the time is out of love, and I know that the world is hard, you need to learn, you know, structure, boundaries, whatever, all the rest of it, and have some discipline, and the rest of it. And I think what I found there was I got really nurturing discipline. Whereas here, a lot of people felt sorry for me, maybe. So I got, you know, it's like, there wasn't any, so you get sanctioned for stuff, but there was no real proper meaningful support put in place to support me to make, to do what I had to do with my, what I needed to do. And when I went to Ghana, first of all, I guess it, it helps that everybody looks like you, you know, and everybody's there, like, so my son went to Ghana, but he went to the international school. And I remember he, the first time I spoke to him, 
mum, these people are all snitches. <laughs> <laughs> That's about them. They're serious. They're on their books. Like, remember the time boys here? Everything he's, he's the one in the closet. He's laughing. He's whatever. He's you know, you know, Caden's like Caden's like. But so he got there. Like no one's on that. Like what's going on? Like everybody's serious. And that, so everybody was serious. Um, also, it was enforced because obviously a bell wakes you up. A bell tells you when to go and go to go and shower and all the rest of it. A bell tells you to get to your station and do your house chores. A bell tells you that somebody's going to come and check it now. If you haven't done it properly, you've got to redo it. A bell tells you when it's breakfast time. A bell tells you to get to the lessons. You've got bells, 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 bells. A bell tells, and the bell tells you when to go to sleep. You see? And actually, we just became, and it was that structure, because I'm, I'm quite, I'm all over the place, so I needed that. And actually, just being the same as everybody else, quite leveling, it was really, and when I came back, I came up with a sense of purpose. I didn't really know I didn't appreciate what my mum did so much for me, like we you know, like in those days going to private school and doing whatever, and I just like, what's this man, I don't want to be here, whatever, and she's like trying her best for me, and I didn't appreciate it at all, because I had no sense of purpose, I wanted to be what people said I should be, you know, I didn't want to be, yeah, and then coming back was like, I'm not on that, that's not me, and um, it totally changed my life, and also it gave me a sense of self as well, because I've been to my country, my, you know, where my parents are from, and um, <clears throat> and everybody loved me, and everybody did it. it was amazing. So yeah, I think I came back with purpose. This is a purpose. Is there anything specific about the education system there, the discipline there, that you would want to bring into like a UK classroom or like a London classroom? Yeah. I think maybe not more nurturing discipline. So you guys were at school where discipline was that or whatever, but I don't know how much nurturing you was for. And I do, I do appreciate the discipline, you guys. I've always spoke to you about that. I know you guys probably hated it, but I know it did kind of shape, everybody kind of wanted to do something after that school. So it, it did have a purpose. But I think it's a nurturing discipline. And I think it's difficult because it's, it's not a criticism of the UK because in Ghana or wherever, if you do go to a country with a strong set cultural identity, everybody's the same. And everybody thinks the same, and everybody expects the same. There's only a few. There are only a few people who don't. Do you see? So everybody knows you have to respect your parents. Everybody knows you can't be rude to adults. It's like it's not like I said. My son went there. It's like people are snitches. Was like, what are you doing? He was the outcast. Do you see? It was like we're not on what you're on. And so I think um, it's easier there because there is a kind of collective. Um, I don't know. Homogenous. I don't know if it's yeah. There's something there that maybe that keeps you all. Yeah, you all think kind of, yeah. So I think it's difficult here. It's like a, you know, a melting pot and all the rest of it. It's so many different ideas about what discipline is. And, you know, I've been in schools where parents will tell you you can beat their child if they're naughty, to schools where people are reporting you to the MP if you give the child a dissenting. <coughs> Literally, you know, do you see? Literally. And it's like, oh, my child's anxiety, and like, they can't come to school because you gave them a detention. They're scared of this woman, you know? And it's like, what? Where you just come from Peckham, where kids are the parents saying to, Listen, just give him, just take him to and beat him. You can't beat him. You, know? you keep him till nine o'clock, I don't care. <laughs> you know, where people are crying about missing their lunch and therefore can't come to school. So it's difficult here, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a big, there's a bigger problem. Not problem, there's more to deal with in, in this system than there is. Which is why I would say working internationally would be totally different to mm -hmm. working here. Because it's working internationally is slightly easier than it is here. Yeah. Mm. So another topic in our previous conversation that I was reflecting on as I, as I was thinking about this conversation is, so we spoke about your time as, like a, as a mother, as like a, a mother that you were quite a young mother when you had first had your children, 
and I asked you whether you would do anything differently and you kind of said, no, I have no regrets, it was the making of me. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you said, I don't want to uh, glamour, like, glamorize or mm. glorify the struggle. Mm -mm. You said, I don't want other people to have to go through mm. struggle mm. in order to kind of build a sense of who they are. Mm. So my question for you and for Sadabine as well, and for the audience if they want to answer it later, is what is the distinction between like a healthy struggle mm. and an unhealthy struggle? Mm. Because I think everyone here would agree that you need to struggle in order to grow. That mm. It's kind of it's an integral part mm. of growth. But what is the difference between healthy and unhealthy struggle? I think um, I think any struggle that you can come out of is actually healthy. I think if you're able to kind of come out of it, it can be a health. It's weird, isn't it? Because there's certain things that no, there's not great. But I guess the end result end result kind of tells you where it determines the impact of that struggle, I guess, obviously, that's, that's just those two I'm saying. But I think um, what, I, what I really wanted to admit was that there was this almost like, so yeah, it wasn't making of me, and actually there's so many things, I'm always preaching resilience with kids, and actually there's a challenge, don't, and now we've got a situation where this, you find this difficult, okay, I'm not going to do that, then this is difficult, this is difficult, and right now, all the time, kid, oh, I can't get in that in this time, so we, we make you come in at 9, 9 a.m., now you're coming at 10, and like, you know, it's like, there's so much, everybody's removing challenges, so in that case, no, I think, you know, something challenging, overcome it, I think, my, my issue was, there was this kind of glorifying of, oh, I'm this, I've done that, and so nobody, nobody was aspiring to anything else, you see, that was my, my issue, like, so it's like, we're not saying that there's anything wrong with you having struggled, but this aspiration to struggle was the problem for me, do you see? And actually we were preaching that to a lot, a certain demographic of children, do you see? that? And it wasn't just black children, white working class children, being preached, aspire to struggle. And that was my problem. So it's like almost like um, we're not getting out of the hood kind of thing, you know, that kind of mentality. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong being born in the hood, but there's, 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 you, we all know that what happens, so why would you not want to try and even improve the hood or move out of the hood? Do you see? It doesn't make any sense. And that was my, that's my biggest issue. It was, in terms of, for me, I wouldn't, it worked for me because I had a lot of support and I had a certain mindset. There are other people who would have, you know, I was married with three kids by the age of 23, 24, yeah, 24. And that's, that's not easy, that wasn't easy. It was easier for me, I don't even know how I did it at the time. I realised it was difficult. Like, now I realise it was difficult, but at the time it wasn't. And I, you know, I was married, I had my, my mum was really, was helpful, I had friends, I had family and the rest of it support me. I, a lot of people wouldn't have that. And in this day and age, childcare is expensive. That was the time of Gordon Brown, you know, we were living, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, so it was like, um, it was, it, you know, it was easy to kind of, you, I was supportive at the time. I would not, therefore, say to everyone, go and do it, you can get through it, because some people can't get through it. And that's the thing, so I think, we don't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, I think my issue, my thing is that don't resent or regret a struggle or feel like you're less than because you've been through it. But it's this aspiration to kind of like brag about, this, not brag, but you know what I'm saying, that, yeah, we just want to be, and, and for our kids as well, their identity is all about that. They, now, actually, they don't even see it as struggle, they see it as actually aspirational, they don't see, these are things your parents trying to get away from, that's, that's what you want to be. You know, kids, middle class kids pretending to be gangbangers, like, why? You know, pretending to be from the hood, because they've got a cousin that, you know, that knows somebody who lives in the estate. You know, it's that kind of thing, like, what is that about? It make, doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, that was, that's kind of where I am. I can't remember if that's where I was at the time I said it, but that's where, what I would say now. So, let me ask you a similar question you asked the um, I know for you, your history teacher was quite formative. 
So tell me about like, what was it about that per that teacher that sh informed who you are now? And what was the difference between Suleiman before you met her and after? Where do I begin? Um, you know that story you shared about um, being given the responsibility of going to the music room and just like de giving you that that sense of like you're special. Do you know what I mean? You're different from the other classmates. <laughs> <Very so>, you <laughs> know. <laughs> yeah. um, I feel like whenever you kind of feed a, a young student's ego a little bit, it kind of like it's. I mean, it feels good in the moment. Um, so there are a few examples that come to mind. One of them was I remember being in social exclusion. Um, I was there for like I was there for. And all my teachers basically kind of forgot about me. Do you know what I mean? Like, so like they, they nobody came and gave me any pieces of work. Like, I, was, I was just there on my ones, just like reflecting on life, <laughs> philosophizing, like what's my purpose, all of that. And but my history teacher on the other hand, she like went out of her way to like give give me all of the lesson plans and the PowerPoint slides and she printed it out for me, she told me this and that. So yeah, that was, a, that was an example of her kind of investing in me. And then the second example is this random occasion at the end of a, at the end of a lesson when she kind of spoke to me and said, I haven't, this is going to sound like Denzel Washington, but I'm not trying to be like Denzel, but she basically said, I have a vision of you. I have a vision of you um, speaking to thousands of people. I promise you said that. So yeah, I remember her saying that and um, yeah, like, I think it's all relative as well. Do you know what I mean? If you're treated one way by one teacher and like a very different way from yeah. a different teacher, yeah. it kind of stands out. It stands out to you. So. And did her giving you that work there? Almost make like you feel indebted to her to kind of do yeah. what history, didn't it? 100%. Yeah. I remember yeah. I had one piece of homework where I actually did the homework and it was in, I did it in pencil, then I finished it and I was really proud of it. And then I remembered that she probably would have wanted me to do it in pen. So I went over the pencil with a pen. So I did it homework twice. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a sign that she had, she had, me, she had me on ropes, basically. Yeah. You mentioned some of the turning points that you've gone through, so you mentioned your thoughts and the operation. I know also that you taught students that have been murdered by your teacher, and you also mentioned that you see your kids. So how do you navigate that world of like being a mother, but also being a teacher? And how have you found that's changed over the years? It has, it's always been my mother, my mother, my mother comes to my teacher. So Jacob's of course my mum. Jacob's one of them that can't call me D. You were so happy when you finally stopped being a student could call me D, D, D. Like it was so excited. Like I've got so many kids that call me mum, whatever. And I do bring my mother head. Mum, it always is a first the thing that informs everything that I do with kids. Like what would I feel like if my kids, if this is my child sits in in front of me? And also, and to be fair, funny enough, from a young age, all they wanted to be was a mother. I remember one time when my friend Jolene said to me, oh, um, I was really, I was young, and she's like, you know, so I don't, because I obviously, like I said, my mum was widowed, so we brought up in a, a single parent household, and it was, it was great. And sometimes you go to people's houses, and you know that like, when dad gets home, it's a bit, the atmosphere changes, doesn't it? You, you just, sometimes, in some people's houses, back in the day especially, and I remember being like, oh gosh, I never really mad about that, because I used to just love being in the, my mum never made us really work for anything in, in that respect, and she never, she never remarried or anything. And I remember saying to my friend um, Jolene, oh yeah, but she said, but you know you have to marry Jane, you know it's a silly type. 
children that went not so what. And I couldn't, I, I, I can't tell you, I was, I was, I think I was in maybe early, late primary school, early secondary school. I can't tell you how devastating that is. <laughs> that I'd have to get married to have children. I want to have, I want to have like 10, 20 children like at that time. And I remember when I did go back to Ghana with, my, with Kasia, and they were like, oh my gosh, you said it. You said you'd be married with kids by the age of 21, and you, you've done it. And at the time, when I got to 19, I wasn't thinking like that, but it happened anyway. But um, everything, I, everything I do is about being a mother, like literally. Like, it's my number one thing, like literally. Like, it is, that's what I do. And so it has, and recently, whether that the teacher, because I was saying to that people that our relationships with my relationship with my students, it's come out, it's great, it's worked out well, you know, it had nothing um, negative or nefarious to come out of it. But my closest, mo my, <clears throat> no, you can't be that close to students now, you know. I've got loads, I've got a wall of picture, with pictures of all of this lot and all of my students from way back that I've got on, on, in my office. And everybody comes like, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. And you can't even do that now. There's certain there videos and stuff from like when I was at Peckham, you know the videos Peckham, I've got pictures or whatever, that, you know those, everybody loves those Peckham videos, don't they? You can't do that now because you can't, and understandably and rightfully so. So it's changed now. So even now, now in this school that I'm at now, like last year, and I'm happy to, I'll just whatever, like, it was like, it was, oh, she's too this. Some, some kids are like, why is she so friendly? Some students, they don't, they, they look at me like, what's going on there? And I've had to kind of, Sometimes as a teacher, you will have to kind of explain why you've got relationships, but I can't, it's my default. It's always my default. My class, my office, got some of these trains in there, basically do this, whatever, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah, exactly. Motorbike helmet, you know, <laughs> literally, like, it's one of those, like, you know, um, relationship issues, this, that, this, that, you know, miss, um, um, yeah, recently I had to um, help a student share some really difficult news with their parent. They came, said, did you do that with me? You know, that kind of thing. And, it's um, it's it's always it's, it informs everything I do. It always has and it always will. And the minute I can't do that, then I'll, I'll just stop doing the job. Now might be a good time to open it up. <laughs>